up, we thought food was only something that could be enjoyed. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. So much of life happens in the kitchen. It's a place to gather, to laugh, to burn your meatloaf while the kids do their homework at the kitchen island. So if life is happening in the kitchen, that's where we want to be. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can be great dads and great cooks. This show is about us trying to figure it all out. I'm Chris. And I'm Phil. Welcome to Dad's Kitchen. You know, Chris, I don't want to get too political for this show. I feel like we've done a good job of avoiding politics. But Merry Christmas. Uh, you too, Phil. Thanks. It kind of, I guess it is the Christmas season. Christmas is upon us. It doesn't feel like Christmas here, Phil. We actually haven't even had snow yet. Really? Oh, I think it's set up north. It's set up my in-laws like not too long ago. We, we've had like a couple flurries, but that's it. Nothing stuck at all. And nothing has lasted longer than mm, half an hour. Wow. Yeah, well, hopefully this is the year that it snows in South Krakalaki. It's been, let's see, it snowed in 2017. And I remember it fondly. We had lived here for not too long, uh, probably like a year-ish. And we were both missing the snow a lot. My wife was big time missing Colorado. And then it snowed for us. And that's why we've stayed. Because, you know, we can do like once every three or four years. And I guess if we get too lonesome or rather too homesick, we'll just go back to Colorado for like a week. But I guess if it's not snowing there, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, do you want to go to Canada? Uh, I hear nice things. Generically, yes. Yeah. Like, I, do, I do like Canada. Yeah, like how it's like not the U.S. Is <laughs> a portion of our listenership. But yeah, no, uh-huh, yeah. I actually really like Montreal and Vancouver. Both areas are fantastic. We've been watching Downton Abbey, and it just like makes me fall in love with every place that's not America. Yeah, yeah. Do you watch Downton Abbey? Disenchanted, Phil. Uh, no, but I have been forced to watch an episode or two. What'd you think? And I say forced because... I don't like starting things in the middle, not necessarily because I feel like Downton Abbey is chick media. Because actually it was it was enjoyable. I I kinda I kinda liked it, you know. I like British sensibilities in general, but the I guess snappiness of dialogue and the the drama, the the highbrow drama, the, the drama that is kind of under the surface, Phil, I really liked. Yep. And I really like how they have like the contrasting worlds of like the upper class and lower class kind of all living within the same household. And I just think they really do a, do a really good job of the irony with all of that. I also really, I really like period pieces. And to be honest, Chris, I wanted to learn a little bit more about World War One, So that's why we kind of started watching it. And here we okay. are. Now I'm an expert. Now, Chris, we're also on this show, Historians. Yeah. So, Phil, is this an episode on World War One? Add it to the list. Yeah. Trench warfare. Okay. I know all about it. Yeah. Do you want to get into Ooh. that then? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Dan Carlin. Uh, oh, man. Actually, Legend. have you listened to his World War One? Dude, I've only series. listened to like... Okay, I've not listened to a full episode of his once, but I have Wait, listened to hold on, a fraction Phil. of like four or five hold episodes on. of his. Wait, let's go back. You just said something that I don't know if I'm okay with. Not a full episode, huh? It's the yeah, ADD that's getting to you. Okay. Yeah, or or just like the like the being human part of me that says I can't have four hours to listen to a podcast. Well, you don't listen to it in one sitting, Phil. You break it up across like a month because that's how much time I have to listen to podcasts these days. But his Genghis Khan series is amazing. Yeah, I listened to a good bit of that one. And his World War One. Those like those are my two favorites. I, I I think you really get a sense of the the loss, the extreme 
just crazy inhumane conditions of World War I in his podcast. He really gives a sense of what some of the, I guess, more extreme challenges at the fringes of human civilization uh, it's mm. it's just kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, I think I heard somewhere that I don't know what the hard statistics are. And I know everybody misquotes stats, so why not? But uh, something like... 93%. 93% of the deaths in World War One were actually from dysentery inside the trenches. 93%. So it's a part of life, Chris. Deadlier than machine guns. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the conditions are insane. I'm so, I'm going through these like mental mental images that were created listening to Dan Carlin's podcast and it's not pleasant. So happy Christmas, Phil. Happy Christmas and food, right? That's a thing. That's what we came to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Let us eat, drink, and be merry while people have laid in trenches filled with dead bodies and feces and the rats and the rats eating both the dead bodies and the feces creating more feces and the fleas so phil eggnog oh i love eggnog yeah i don't know i feel like it's one of those things that's a little uh controversial yep yeah there's there's some sides of the aisle on that one love or hate i feel like nobody's in the middle I, i don't love it i don't hate it I know I said I loved it when you mentioned it, but I, you know, I'm a, I'm a dramatic person. I, I'm okay with eggnog. I heard this quote once. Uh, I don't know who said it. I think it was once attributed to Winston Churchill. And since we were talking about Great Britain, we'll go along with that. You can't be a good egg your whole life. Sooner or later, you're either going to hatch or rot. And or break. I feel like I'm a good egg when it comes to eggnog. Can you break? Yeah, break it what down. What does it take to break you, Phil? Break it down. Car battery the nipples. The, wait, the one. The yep. That's what it takes to break you. I already found this out. Uh, so Have eggnog is a, a really interesting drink and it has a very contentious history, Phil. You know, it goes back a while and a lot of people claim its origins. But like I said, a little contentious. So the, the general idea is that, you know, it probably goes back to the medieval times, some type of beverage that was had back then. Some people claim that, you know, just pre-independence colonies here in America, uh, that it kind of came out of that time period. The British claim it. Actually, uh, the, the, the Scottish, apparently there there is a drink, I want to say it's called like a noggin or something along those lines, Phil. That's more or less an ale that has been heated with an iron. Which, does this remind you of anything? Yeah, this sounds like, was it the Ramus Fizz? What is it called? It's no, not. It was our, it was our, not was a it gin fizz. What was it? You're close. You're close. I'm sounding Phil. like a fool. It's a flip. A flip. That is the exact drink that was heated with an iron, like a flip iron. Yeah. And actually, an eggnog is a flip pretty, pretty much exactly with the addition of some milk or cream. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. That checks out, as they say on Reddit. Ew. Uh, to the to the flip part or the... You can take that however however you want to. I'd spend way too much time on there, but whatever. The flip, you know, as we talked about in an episode, which is fantastic, part of our cocktail series, Phil. Yeah, I believe it was part six. It could have been. But the flip is basically just a, a, a liquor, sugar, 
eggs and uh, garnish them some sort. So I think like one of the prototypical flips that we talked about was maybe something like a sherry flip or a brandy flip. Honestly, like you could do a rum flip. All of those are going to be really, really good. But it's a couple ounces of a liquor. So say, let's just go with, let's go with rum on this one. A couple ounces of rum. You get some simple in there. You throw a whole entire egg in. Shake that thing like none other. Pour that out. A little bit of garnish. Oftentimes nutmeg is really nice in a flip. And you have a really interesting and, and very rich and decadent cocktail. Okay. One question. Yes. What kind of egg? A whole egg. Like a goose egg or a lizard oh, egg? A whole egg, Phil. Dealer's choice, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Ostrich or robin? It's up to you, Phil. I'm sorry. I guess it just depends on if you've had dinner or not. Yeah. Pretty much the flip is like eggnog because the only thing that you're really adding to eggnog, Phil, is cream. So Phil, mm-hmm. you know, the eggnog falls into this like wider category of flippage. But I think there's a lot of, kind of like with the flip, there's a lot of variety in the eggnog, Phil, because you're not necessarily locked into one specific distilled adult beverage of choice. Like the flip, you can, you can kind of, again, dealer stores, put in, put in whatever you want there. Uh, You know, we mentioned like a brandy or a rum or a sherry. All of those are absolutely fantastic in an eggnog. You know, any type of whiskey, like a bourbon or other, can work really well in a eggnog as well. Well, that's good because part of my ambivalence, but I feel like if you made me one of these lovely cocktails of the aforementioned, I think I'd be pretty happy with it. However you made it. Just a straight flip or an eggnog, huh? Yeah, sure. Yes, I'm nodding. I think an eggnog is going to be a little bit more creamy and oftentimes you're going to have, you know, spices in there as well. Although a flip, you usually garnish with a nutmeg or a cinnamon, like freshly ground, obviously. And and those things can absolutely go in an eggnog. Cloves are great in an eggnog, Phil. I do love a good clove. I feel like that's something that's a little near and dear to your heart. Yeah, we've talked about this. I like to suck on them. Uh-huh. It's not weird. It's super a little normal. Bit. Yeah, it's kind of weird, Phil. No, people uh, do it. Like you're walking out the door, ready to take on the day. Just stop by the pantry, grab a clove, pop it in your mouth, and then drive to work. Wave at your neighbors. I mean, it's a, if anything, it's a good excuse not to talk to them. Because you got cloves <laughs> in your mouth. Yes. Just tell them you're stuck in some cloves. They definitely know I'll talk to you again after that. Solve some I problems. I feel like it might be working with you. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yes, Phil. Clothes are fantastic in eggnog and your neighborhood. So, Phil, have you ever made eggnog? No, I've never made it. Did you know my wife has never actually even had it? Really? Yeah, even like the store bought like... Okay. Alcohol-free eggnog, like yeah, I was, yeah. I was just gonna Doesn't ask, know what it tastes like, like like the store-bought kind or the actual homemade kind, because the homemade kind can be really, really good. Sure, I was trying to describe the flavor to her. Let's see if, like, okay, I was I'm like, curious okay, imagine, what your description would be. Imagine heavy whipping cream because it's kind of that texture, and then then imagine you like freshly grated some nutmeg. In that heavy whipping cream. And then and then you added some other stuff like, I don't know, honey to sweeten it up. And um, maybe some cinnamon. Am I close? Like if you're describing this to someone who's never had it before, help me out. Also because, eggs. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't call it eggnog for nothing. No, Phil, you got to break some eggs to make some eggnog. Although, oh, I had some egg drop soup one time and there wasn't an egg in it. Okay. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then okay. my friend was like, that's hot and sour. <laughs> yes. So, Phil, yes, eggnog is a, it's a divisive thing. And I think that's because most people have possibly 
only had the store-bought kind. I would I would venture to guess that most people have only had the store-bought kind. Yeah, probably. And eggnog comes into its own when you actually make real eggnog, when you make it from scratch. When you make real eggnog, not the, not the store-bought, kind of super artificially flavored kind. Because actually, so uh, apparently in the U.S., obviously if, if it is a, a, a dairy or egg-based product, it is going to be pasteurized. So not that that uh-huh. really changes the flavor, but there is a huge concern for salmonella. And I suppose rightfully-ish so kind of-ish because they don't actually do that in Europe, whatever. Uh, they don't wash their eggs. Well, they're vaccinated there, so. Sure, yeah, that <laughs> solves some problems. <laughs> Sorry. And there goes our other half of our listeners. <laughs> no, I think that just further ostracized the part that left the first time. That's true. So now that our podcast is only for people outside of America, uh, I think you I think you get a very different overall flavor profile when you make it at home, Phil. And actually, there, there are a couple of recipes that are absolutely fantastic, which I think we're going to have to link to in the show notes. I was hoping we could at least touch on them because, yeah. Chris, as per the huge... I don't know anything. Teach me. Teach me all the ways. So Phil Alton Brown, our beloved, beloved Alton Brown, has a couple of recipes. One of them that I have seen all over the place is actually an aged eggnog, which I got to be honest, sounds absolutely amazing. And I think you really had to make this back in August or September for it to be ready by Christmas. And, and actually I think, I think eggnog is one of those things, kind of like a sourdough starter where, you know, your eggnog can be like a couple decades old and have this pedigree and, you know, you're drinking some every year, but you're also adding to it every year. Yeah. I was at my good friend Dave's house and he actually had some eggnog aging. And I want to say this was maybe late summer, early fall. Yeah. And I, I suppose maybe... We'll have something to talk about after this episode, he and I. It very well could be an Alton Brown aged eggnog recipe. But he also has a recipe that's great for fresh eggnog, I guess, Phil. So like for the people that, like me, who always forget to read through the recipe before we're at the grocery store, and they're like, oh man, this is supposed to be marinating for an entire day. Or in this case, oh man, this was supposed to be aging for like four months. Yeah, this is the lazy person's eggnog. Okay, good. Four eggs, Phil. And usually you're going to actually end up separating those two into like the yolks and the whites. Sure. Uh, about a third cup of sugar, a pint of whole milk, a cup of heavy cream. So obviously this is like super, super healthy. Three ounces or 12 of bourbon, you know. Love it. <laughs> to taste. And then... A oh, glug. Well, let's whole, just call it a glug. Uh, I'd go with several glugs then a bunch of freshly ground nutmeg and so you're the reason that you are separating the eggs is that you're gonna bring them in at different points in time obviously so you're gonna start out beating the egg yolks add some sugar then the milk cream bourbon nutmeg and at the very end you're gonna whip your egg whites with a little bit more sugar and add those later. You're going to kind of whisk or fold those in so that your eggnog has like a very light and airy and fluffy texture, right? Yeah, I, I'm salivating. That sounds delicious. So it's simple. Eggnog is also something that you can kind of uh, gussy up a little bit with 
kind of not necessarily whatever you want, but a lot of different options like vanilla fill or cinnamon. You, you got them close. You, you you have some things that you can you can kind of substitute in and make your own with like a, a sherry or a rum instead of that bourbon or a brandy or cognac. Honestly, you can throw in some grain alcohol and your eggnog is probably going to taste pretty good still. Okay, so traditionally... This is made with bourbon? Eh, not necessarily. It's, uh, this, this is the Alton Brown version. He prefers bourbon. But actually, if you go back to, like, colonial America, their, their, uh, claim on eggnog is actually from grog, which is a rum-based drink. Interesting. So there, there are some arguments that that rum could be the the core spirit and obviously you know if we're talking about something that comes from oh england or 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 scotland then a bourbon or rum is is not necessarily going to be your core spirit there i don't know if you can do a gin eggnog that might be weird. Yeah, to me, that would just feel like a forest in your mouth. You can sure do a scotch eggnog. It would be like probably. a dairy farm in the middle of the woods. I'm okay with that. What about vodka? Why? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a sort of grain alcohol. Neutral. It's going to work. You it's can a do starch it. alcohol, Chris. Go for it. Is it starch a grain? Potato. I don't think so. Um, you, you can have non-potato vodka. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but Phil, but Phil, if you don't like eggnog what do you do do you just have a glass of milk yes or do you is it like a is it like a byob you just bring an irish sixer to the party sure so i guess like uh because eggnog is one of those things that like we don't really know the history of it's kind of this funky thing that not everybody likes it's classic but eh, maybe a little infamous because it's so divisive my thought is phil we always have a backup and this is this is like one of those weird episodes that's kind of like a holiday episode, but kind of also like a follow up on our cocktail series, because obviously we're hitting the flip here. We're going a little bit deeper in a couple of things. I thought maybe we could get a little bit more into the cocktail world. You mean like the direction of the podcast in general? Sure. Maybe. Milk punch, Phil. Have you had a have you had a good milk punch? No, I've never even heard of such a thing. Okay. So if you decided that you really don't want an eggnog in a couple of days, uh, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas night, the day after Christmas, the day after the day after Christmas, you know, all of those days. When you tire uh, of it. Yeah. Milk punch, Phil. So pretty, pretty close to an eggnog. Opposite side of the spectrum as a flip. We're ditching the eggs here. Milk punches can be really, really good. And an eggnog really is kind of a milk punch, but... I would start out like a basic, simple recipe, an ounce and a quarter of bourbon. Let's make it interesting and throw like a half ounce of rum in there, a couple ounces of milk, some vanilla, and a little bit of simple, maybe like a half ounce of simple. Garnish that thing with mm, nutmeg or cinnamon. And you have something that's, I would say, still pretty Drinkable. festive, but a lot less divisive in its uh, flavor profile. I would drink it. Thank you, Chris. And... May I dare say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Phil. And I think it would be an even more Merry Christmas if, uh, you know, we had a couple Apple reviews and ratings to go along. Oh, we got a really good one the other day. Did you see this? This comes from Jeremy B, who says, do yourself a favor and tune into this show. The hosts have great banter and provide useful tips for cooking and just being present dads. The world needs more of this type of content. Thanks, Jeremy B. What a nice thing to say. And if you want to be featured on this show, all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so easy. Leave us five stars, leave us a review, and we'll probably kiss you. 
Yes, we will buy tickets to wherever you live. And that's a little creepy. Uh, Phil, did you know that Spotify has actually introduced podcast ratings now? I did not know that. That just happened this week. So. Wow. So I guess we can stop asking people to exclusively rate us on Apple. And they can do it on Spotify. And it's about time. I don't care what they say, Chris. You'll always be a good egg in my book. <laughs>